The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, it's week seven during the college football season, and we have a great slate of games for this weekend specifically. I know I always say that, but this one is for real. Follow us along on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at AaronMurray11, and I am at DrewButler13. Aaron, I went to the Georgia game last weekend. I was rocking my DGD Imperial dad hat. Got a lot of messages about where people can get it. It is still on ImperialSports.com. Check out the collaboration tab. You can get all of your punt and pass gear right there. We, of course, are going to talk about the biggest games of the weekend, for week seven, and we're also going to give you the Ray Guy Award punter of the week and the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week, just like we always do right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. Aaron, I talked to you earlier today, and you know that I love discussing juicy storylines around college football. There's really just not much going on around the world of college football that you and I could debate about. The Kelly Bryant story, unfortunately, has died down. And, has it? Uh, I think I, so. I, I, I was about to say, maybe you want to continue to dive into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we can just go straight into the games. And lucky for you and I, we get to talk about Georgia at length this week because, quite frankly, the dogs have taken care of business in a very mundane manner so far in the 2018 season. They are, of course, 6-0, and and they have been blowing out pretty much every single team that they have played against. But... This weekend, they travel to LSU. LSU was the number five ranked team in the nation just a week ago. They lost to the Florida Gators on the road. So Georgia travels to Baton Rouge. This is the 3.30 p.m. game. SEC on CBS. Number two, Georgia. At now, number 13, LSU. This is a great matchup. Let's dive right into it, Aaron. What are you thinking off the bat? Oh, this is going to be an incredible football game. Listen, we know LSU, obviously, coming off a tough loss to Florida last week, but they didn't play bad. I mean, you're talking about an LSU team, great defense, great at all levels, defense line. They're big, they're physical. I mean, we saw it from day one, game one versus Miami. You're like, man, this team is stout up front linebackers. We know what they can do. And then obviously a very talented secondary. So this is going to be a tough task. And then you throw in the fact that it's going to be noisy as hell in that stadium. So the one issue for LSU last week versus Florida 
could they get after Felipe Franks? They couldn't. Felipe Franks had all day in the pocket. He actually looked like a decent quarterback for Florida. Now you're at home. It's noisy. You're going to get the jump as a defensive line. So I think that's going to help this this LSU defense. Like I said, it's very good, but they're missing that X factor at the defensive line of being able to get after a quarterback. So if they can get after from early, they could stuff the run game, force it to third and loud, third and long, excuse me, and then get that crowd involved. This could be an interesting game. I think, I think it could be close. I think it's a seven and a half point spread. I'm just gonna let you know right now. I'm taking LSU with that seven and a half. Oh, wow. I, think this, I think this is a game that Georgia wins by three to seven points. I, I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. This yeah. is, you're going into a hostile environment against a very good football team. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be a grinded out kind of battle. And, and I think Georgia's proven, obviously they can win on the road in hostile environments. They went in and beat South Carolina, but this LSU team, they've proven they are better than South Carolina this year. They're better defensively, offensively. That that's the question mark. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Burrow. I think Burrow has shown maturity in this offense, his understanding. And I think he's shown the ability to make passes at an elite level. It's, it's more the consistency level. And then obviously the receivers have to catch the dang ball. You saw it last week versus Florida and that game, a couple, a couple of costly drops that hindered their ability to make that comeback. So this could be a very, very good game. And obviously it means a lot for both teams, uh, SEC play. It really does. It means a ton. And Georgia, I wish LSU, and this is me talking subjectively, I wish LSU would have won last week. Therefore, they're riding high. The fan base would have been absolutely ecstatic. They still will be. Don't get me wrong. But with them losing to Florida last week, they're trying to regroup in red stick right now. They are trying to make sure that they are ready to rock and roll. Georgia, the number two team in the nation, is coming in. They are undefeated. And LSU still has a lot to play for in the SEC. Yes, their backs are up against the wall now, but they cannot afford to drop another conference game. So I feel like their focus has been zoomed into exactly this weekend. So will Georgia be able to put up with that first punch that LSU swings at them? I think yes. And Aaron... What do you think, as a former Georgia quarterback, as a starting quarterback, I know you never really had a backup breathing down your neck or that two-quarterback system, but my thought process goes directly to Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. If LSU were to get two three-and-outs in a row, and Georgia's very conservative in their play calls, say run, run, pass, punt, you know, uh, screen, play action, and then a, a draw to a third down and then punt again, do you throw fields in on the third drive no. in crazy Tiger Stadium? I would. I think this is the game you keep your veteran quarterback in. And also, I think this is the game that finally Tom is going to get some recognition. It's just it's amazing that you have a quarterback who's thrown for 12 touchdowns, two picks. Was he you know low 70s completion percentage? No one's talking about him. No one is talking about Fromm, but it goes to the fact that Georgia just really hasn't had any really exciting games. You know, no one's really tuning in unless you're a Georgia fan to watch Georgia play. It's just, it's, that's, that's the nature of the beast right now. People are going to watch this game and they're going to finally get to see this kid is for real. This kid is a great quarterback. He's a great football player. So I'm excited to see what he can do it. And we all know it. Jake Fromm does not shy away from these atmospheres. He does not shy away from when the spotlight's the biggest. He, he, did a phenomenal job in the in, in the SC championship game and conference play last year in the playoffs. And then it started the season this year against South Carolina, a tough game on the road. 
this the like I said, the light is never too bright for Jake Fromm. So I'm excited yeah. to see him out there today this this weekend. I think he's the X factor. I think he's gonna go out there and have a tremendous day. But unless there's specific packages, maybe you know, within the five you know, plus five yard line in the red zone, maybe bring Fielden. But I got to go with my ace, and, and, yeah. and that's Jake Fromm. I don't think Cheney will have Fields scripted in that first 15 plays. I think you got to trust your ace, like you just said, Aaron. Fromm is battle-tested on the road. He's battle-tested in big-time games against huge big-time defenses, which, of course, LSU has. So I think, and I have it written down right here in our show email, I've got some groundbreaking analysis for everybody in punt and pass nation. Georgia needs to establish the run and stop the run. That's how they're going to win this game, Aaron. You can't go anywhere else for analysis that deep. But it's that simple to me, right? They're going to try to get first downs on the ground, take the fan base out of it, and then make sure and make Joe Burrow try to beat them. Make sure to take LSU's rushing offense out of the game and make Joe Burrow beat them. Because I'll tell you right now, and this is objective, Joe Burrow cannot beat Georgia's defense when they lost their two games last year Stidham for Auburn and carry on Johnson absolutely terrorized them and then in the second half of the national championship game Tua Tungavaloa took over so I think Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker are heading into this game saying we've got to marginalize LSU's rushing offense and we have got to make Joe Burrow try to beat us because if you look at Georgia's scoring defense they're number two in the nation right now they're also very opportunistic they get turnovers and they score off those turnovers Georgia's offense, for whatever reason, and you just mentioned it, Fromm's elite, they're playing at a very high level. They're scoring more than 40 points per game. For whatever reason, people aren't giving them that kind of credit. But Georgia has a good offense. But I think the defense steps up big time in this game, much like they did in Columbia against South Carolina. And then, my favorite, the X Factor, the special teams. I mean, you got to count on Rodrigo. You got Mikko Hardman back there returning kicks. Georgia is going to cover this game, Aaron, and we have our first disagreement of Week 7. I'll lay the 7.5 points. You are saying Georgia's going to win, but it'll be a bit of a tighter margin. Man, a little birdie on my shoulder right here is telling me this is exactly the type of mentalities that you and I were both having with that Georgia-South Carolina game. I think Georgia matches up really well against LSU, and I think that this one may not even be that close. Listen, but the, the the issue is that was so early in the season, yes. and we've seen the flaws of South Carolina since that Georgia game. I mean, Georgia really exposed them, and, and we've seen it weeks afterwards, where we've seen enough of LSU football to know that this team is pretty good. We, we've seen yeah, it. I mean, we've seen sure. it for six weeks now, so I think the sample size is a lot bigger than, than what we were heading to for that South Carolina game, and obviously all things were clicking for Georgia that week versus, the, versus Carolina. This is different, though. It really is. I think this LSU team has a tremendous mindset of we are dominant. And I think they're, I think they're desperate, too, though. You look at their schedule going forward, LSU, they have to win this football game because you turn around, you got to play Mississippi State, and then you got to play Alabama back-to-back weeks. So you got Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, and all of a sudden you could be looking at a Tiger team. If you lose those three, that's all of a sudden five and four. You know, so they got to get the train rolling again. So I think they're going to come out desperate, understanding what what lies ahead of them after this football game. Absolutely, and I do think that if it is tight, 
like you said, Georgia will have turned the ball over or won't be able to get it going offensively. LSU will be running down Georgia's throats. And that defensive line for the Dogs, a little bit thin right now. They're going to have to make some guys and rely on some guys to step up and have an impact. But, again, if it is close, Aaron, you will be correct because I do think Georgia still wins. It'll be a closer game, and, and you go back to special teams. You go back to a guy like Rodrigo Blankenship and a return man like Miko Hardman. Those guys will be the X factor this weekend. It'll be a great game regardless. So to recap, Aaron takes the points to 7.5 but says Georgia wins close. I think it'll be a two-score game. I think Georgia will win by 13 to 17 points. So lay the 7.5. And, and again, it's going to come down to special teams either way. Either they cover because of a return or they win because of a field goal. And I love talking about special teams, which brings me, Aaron, to the Ray Guy Award Punter of the Week for Week 7. And it's none other than Braden Mann. Braden Mann had an absolutely phenomenal game against Kentucky last weekend. Aaron, he had five punts for a 59.6 yard Ooh, per punt wee. average. He netted 51 Point four yards per punt, two inside the twenty. Sounds like Drew Butler out there. Fifty and a long. Sounds like my boy Drew Butler's punting again. Eighty-two, a long of eighty-two yards. I just listened to your national show on SEC Sirius XM Radio, and Jimbo Fisher was gushing about this guy. Jimbo Fisher came out and said, "Yes, football has evolved. The game has grown tremendously since his early days at Florida State and even LSU." But he pointed specifically to how much better kickers and punters are, and he's got one of the best in the nation. This kid, Braden Mann at Texas A&M, Aaron, is leading the nation in punts and yards per punt at 54.9 yards per punt. He's trying to break my record. Maybe I'll be presenting him the Ray Guy Award later on in the season if he keeps it up, but congratulations to Braden Mann, your week six Ray Guy Award punter of the week. Aaron, who's the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week? Let's talk about a kid who just had a tremendous game against a huge rival, national TV, and he's bringing Texas back, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Ellinger just had a tremendous day, 24-35, 314, two touchdowns, no picks, and three big touchdown runs. Even when Oklahoma knew the quarterback, what was it, power, draw, uh, whatever it was, zone, he did it, he did it all with his legs, with his arms. And five total touchdowns, like I said, in a big game, knocking Oklahoma out, outshining the Heisman contender and Kyler Murray, who did himself had a tremendous day and was on the list of finalists for this week. But good job, Sam. Good job, Sam. Yeah, no Bring doubt. in Texas back. Hook em, baby. I know. It's uh, two great performances, both in the Lone Star State. So congratulations, Braden Mann, Ray Guy Award, punter of the week for week six. And Sam Ellinger, your Who's week Who's the kicker six. of the week? If we had a kicker of the week... Dicker the kicker, baby. Dicker the kicker, that's right. Dicker the kicker, getting shirts. That's exactly correct. Congrats to Sam Ellinger, Week 6, Davey O'Brien Award, Quarterback of the Week. All right, let's talk about a few more games. Before we keep talking about it, keep in mind, Aaron took LSU with the points, says Georgia's going to win. I take Georgia. I think they're going to cover win by 13 to 17 points. I'm 16 and 14 against the spread, Aaron, through six weeks. Buddy, you are 10 and 20. We need some help. We need some help. So go 6-0 and this week. Get back on track. Let's make it work. Let's talk about two more games, three more games inside the conference, then we'll make a few more picks as well. Tennessee going to number 21, Auburn. Auburn is a two-touchdown favorite here. They're a 14-and-a-half favorite. 
Over-unders 47 and a half. This game's at 12 p.m. on SEC Network. We can just talk quickly about this one, Aaron. I think Tennessee has a real opportunity here to have Jeremy Pruitt hang his hat on his biggest victory as the Volunteers head coach to date. And, man, I just don't like – I don't think anybody likes what they're seeing out of Jarrett Stidham in that Auburn offense. They have looked Simmer terrible. Simmer down. It's not Jarrett Stidham, damn it. <laughs> Who is game. it? It's the run game. All right, well, stick up for him then. They need to use Stidham more. Come on, throw, throw, let him throw the football more. This offense, we keep talking about it, just no identity. They, what's their best player? What, who's their best player? It's Stidham. So find a way to me, be more creative. One, pass protecting him. And, and But it, it all starts with the offensive line. The offensive line for Auburn just cannot do anything, creating run lanes, giving Stidham time in the pocket. And, and I don't care if you have the best running back in the world or the best quarterback in the world. You can't do much if you can't block. It starts with the big five ugly guys up front, and they're just not getting it done right now for Auburn. But you look at Tennessee, though, I just – I know they have a bye week, but – I still don't think they're there yet to still compete with Auburn. And this is going to be at, at home for Auburn. It's yes. going to be noisy. I think they're extremely desperate right now. And I still think even with a, a, a offense who doesn't have their identity just yet, or who knows if they ever will this season, I still think that's a better team than Tennessee. So I like Auburn to win the game, but I like Tennessee uh, with the points. All right, so you're taking the points with Tennessee, and you said something very profound. It's, it's one adage that I certainly agree with. Great coaches adapt to their players. They do not make their players adapt to them, and it seems like Gus Malzahn and Jarrett Stidham, especially this season, are at a crossroads. Gus Malzahn wants to run his offense, and that's usually manned by a mobile quarterback. Now, Jarrett Stidham can get outside the pocket, but he's no Kyler Murray or Cam Newton or Nick Marshall, if you will. If Gus Malzahn was smart, he would spread these guys out, and he would make sure that the offensive line could protect Stidham for at least three seconds so he could deliver the football with some accuracy. That's what he does best. He can spin the ball with the best of them in all of college football. So why he hasn't done that yet, man, I have no idea, but I do not like the direction this Auburn team is headed. It's an 11 a.m. local kick in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I'm sticking with Tennessee. I think they went out right, therefore – I'll you take the crazy. points as well. Tennessee plus 15. Watch for that game to be a big-time upset inside Jordan-Hare Stadium at noon. And another game at noon, Aaron, which I had just been thinking about. And I think I might make a crazy pick here. But it's at noon. It's on ESPN. Number 14, Florida, coming off a huge victory against a top-five team in LSU travels to Nashville. They're playing Vanderbilt. Florida's just a touchdown favorite here. The over-under is 50-and-a-half. I think Florida could be in for a big-time setback after a huge victory. Uh, Come on it, now, listen, Felipe I, Franks, 11 a.m. local you. kick. I, You're I'm the one who says you. Vandy's tough to play at. It is tough to play at. It's a high school stadium. It is a tough atmosphere. It's early. It's 11 o'clock game. And, then, and you said, I mean, Florida right now is coming off two very emotional wins. Mississippi State, LSU, yes. they put a lot into those games. Yes. But you still got to remember who's the head coach of the football team. Dan Mullen, I mean, he knows how to get them right. I like Florida. I like their defense. And uh, seven points, man, that's Isn't crazy. That interesting? I know. That, that is that's very interesting. Vegas knows something. I'll I tell do. you what, Vegas, Vegas knows something we don't. 
I, I got Florida. I got the points. I think they're going to pull it out. I know Vandy been up and down. I know they had that tough game uh, that they made it close versus Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but still Florida. I think look at the locker room of Florida. Those guys are jacked. Yeah. After these past couple wins, I don't know a more excited locker room celebrating victories. I think they're having fun. I think they've completely bought into what Dan Mullins put in the, put in the juice for those guys down there at Florida. So I got to go with Florida. And then obviously they get, they get the best linebacker and coach in America. C-Rob <laughs> baby. C-Rob. C-Rob's going to make sure those linebackers are flying around everywhere. I like the Gators right. and uh, I like them winning and, and covering. covering with the points. All right. So Aaron's laying the seven. Give me the seven. I know C-Rob, Christian Robinson, has that second level of the Florida defense playing at an all-time high. But you look at the line, and we always say on punt and pass, Vegas knows best. Why? Why on earth is Florida only a seven-point favorite? I wouldn't be shocked if this closes at a a six-and-a-half or even a six-point spread. Vanderbilt's tough to play at. You've mentioned that. It's dead. There's not a lot of people in there, especially at 11 a.m. local time. I think the suits in Vegas are banking on Felipe Franks to have a Felipe Franks game, not the game that he had against Mississippi State, not the game that he had against LSU. I think they're expecting Florida, a team with a new head coach, to reel back. And I think Vanderbilt has a real shot to win this game, I'm going with Kyle Shermer. They got to believe because they know. So you're saying they went out right. I'm saying they went out right. They know that they played Georgia relatively well through two quarters. They botched the end of the first half. Georgia came out, adjusted, started the second half. It was over from there. If they can continue to move the ball, get first downs, and take care of the football, they'll be able to play with Florida. I'm just telling you that right now. Give me the points, and I'm saying Vanderbilt. Wins outright. That could be an outlandish prediction, but I'll look like a genius when it's validated. So I will be tuned. I will be tuned in to that game (laughs) at noon. I like that game and the Tennessee Auburn game. Two games that will have a lot of impact, I think, in the SEC. One more SEC game, Aaron. Number twenty-two, Texas A&M. You just got done talking to Jimbo Fisher on your serious SEC show. They're traveling to Columbia to play South Carolina. Texas A&M's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. South Carolina beat Mizzou last week at home. Huge weather delay, sloppy conditions. I think if, if it was dry and there was no stoppage, I think Missouri rolls and beats them handily. But they got the W. They're probably feeling pretty decent now. I got to roll with A&M here, though. They're, they got Kellen Mond. They just beat Kentucky. They're back on the road. Jimbo Fisher, just listening to your interview with him, I like him even more now. He was human in that interview. He said he's working on trying to get Texas A&M to play at a championship level. And you know how you do that? You bring it every single week. So I'll lay the two and a half, and I'm taking Texas A&M. I'm with you on that one. I like Texas A&M. My, what I'm going to be looking at when I watch this football game is is how short of a leash does Jake Bentley have? I mean, we saw Skarnecki last week. I mean, he balled out in that football game. We yeah. talked about it earlier in the week. Jake Bentley just has not done well this entire season. Seven touchdowns, six interceptions. Is he going to play? If he if he goes out there, I think the bigger the biggest line is if he goes out there and, and plays mediocre, even if maybe has a turnover or two turnovers, in that first half, do you put him on the bench then? I think you have to. I think I think you have to put him on the bench. Put your backup in. I think the team feels confident, obviously, after a big win last week. But still, I like Texas A&M. I think they're playing 
tremendous on the offensive side of the football. I think defensively, you want to talk about a complete 180 from last year. We want to talk about soft defense last year. Not this year. They are physical. Yeah, he has changed. They're the dominant, culture. and and they look really, really good on side of the football. So you talk about all the time, Drew. What travels? Defense travels and a run game travels. And right Question. now they're playing great defense. They're running the ball extremely effective. So I like AM and I think they got a little bit of swagger. I think Jimbo is injected uh, some swagger into that football team. So they're confident, but it, it's going to be a tough game. We, we always talk about tough environment. South Carolina is a tough environment, but I just don't think that team has confidence right now. All right, two more games. Let's wrap this thing up. Both top 25 matchups. This game's at 3.30, so it's a noon kick local. Number seven, Washington, going to number 17, Oregon. This one's going to be in Autzen Stadium. You love Justin Herbert, Oregon's quarterback, and for a good reason. Washington, though, is a road favorite. Oregon is a home dog. Washington's giving three points. Jake Browning leading the Huskies. Miles Gaskin in Washington's defense pretty stout as well they need to keep it rolling if the pac-12 has any chance of getting into the college football playoff but hey man oregon botched that game against stanford at home they know how they know what to do and what to avoid in order to finish a big time football game and get a w i like oregon in this game them at home washington's offense has been not great this season jake browning browning has been making rookie type mistakes. So I like Oregon. I think it's going to be one thing is be a fun game. I think I'm always excited to see what the uniforms are going to be for Oregon, <laughs> but Justin Herbert, uh, he's, he's an absolute beast. And it was funny. We were talking uh, on the show today to, I think it was from someone from uh, pro football talk. You know, the guys who do all the grades for, pro football for focus, yes. pro football focus. And obviously Herbert is, is right now the top guy coming out of this year's for the NFL draft, you know, probably top five pick. They're saying that rumors are he's going to stay another season. Okay, so here's my question to you though about the pro football focus guys. Like, what it, is this? Is this guy that you talk to just does he just know analytics? Did he play football? Like, what is his qualifications for grading? I don't know his background. I don't yeah. know, but it's just that's that's their job. I mean, they break it down. They give ratings. To and they're saying Herbert's going to stay. I mean, that's that's what they're saying. That's the rumor on the street. So my question is, I don't know. I, I got to figure this out myself. I just heard it two hours ago. But if he stays and you are Drew Butler, GM of whoever, and you're the number one pick in the draft and you need a quarterback, are you taking Herbert or are you taking Tua? Oh, because they'll be able to come out the same time. They'll be able to come out the same time. That. Man, you know, yes. that's a great question. You know, Herbert's six six. That's those Rocket intangibles. Arm, he can throw can it. Run. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Herbert. And especially now that Tua is in that spread offensive system, you know, it's not your typical Alabama under center pound the rock offense. Um, I got. I would have to go Herbert as well. I mean, historically, Pac-12 quarterbacks translate into the NFL better than SEC quarterbacks. I mean, besides the Manning brothers, really. I know. I know Matthews had a great career also. You look at Pac-12 quarterbacks, guys who have been able to have a really good career, and, and then you look at the intangibles, 6'6", six, six, and you, you talk about his arm all the time, Aaron. This guy can do it all. I would go Herbert as well. I would be willing – that's a great question. Is Tua really, at this point, is he a top 10 pick, or is he a system quarterback? Should we start that rumor? Tua's oh, a God. system quarterback? I don't know if we have enough time in this show to really start <laughs> jumping into this. Well, I mean, who knows? Listen – 
and it, the interesting stat too was two. I think two was up there for um, stats of most yards after a catch. You know, his receivers, yes. their ability to catch a ball and then boom, take it for 60, 70 afterwards. I mean, he's right up there for quarterbacks that have that stat. So that just shows you one, the talent obviously that he's working with at Alabama offensive line, running back receivers, not taking anything away from I'm all on the two, two, a train. Oh, of course. He's phenomenal. Good for Tua, but like I said, if I'm a GM and I have number one pick, is it going to be tough? Yes, but I'm still taking Justin Herbert with that pick. I think he has everything you want. And and listen, I love the I love the shorter quarterback. I love the Drew Breeses of the world because I am six one. But <laughs> I still know okay, okay. if I was six six, it would make my life a lot that easier. Is I can very tell you that. True. Yes, that is very true. Tua it would is make listed. my life a lot easier. Tua is air quotes listed. At six one, but oh, he's distance. way shorter than six one. Yeah, I know. I stood by him in the natty. I was like, "This kid is—he's small, but he, he is small. It. He's he, talented. He can spin it, though. He can definitely spin it. His stats right now are absolutely crazy. I saw on ESPN their little Heisman prediction. He was a unanimous first place vote getter. So, but I would agree. I, I agree with you, Aaron. I take Justin Herbert number one in an NFL draft over Tua if I'm a GM. And also, I agree with you in the fact that I love the home underdog here. I like Oregon getting three points. You mentioned Jake Browning not playing as well as he has in the past. I think Herbert and that Oregon offense can kind of expose and exploit Washington's defense, and I like them at home. So I'll take the three points there. Oregon wins outright. Our last game that we're going to talk about, it's in their top 15 matchup in the Big Ten. Number 15, Wisconsin, heading to Ann Arbor to take on number 12, Michigan. Michigan is a 7.5-point favorite. And I was shocked that Michigan is ranked number 12. Shea Patterson, your boy, quietly having a pretty steady season up north in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Uh, listen, he, they're doing well right now in Michigan. Were they 5-1? and one. Yeah. Wisconsin four one. They'll be a good game. You got Wisconsin. You got Jonathan Taylor back there. I mean, he's a beast. He is a man at the running back position. But if I'm Michigan, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put seven in the box. I'm gonna put eight in the box. Yeah, I'm, make gonna, I'm gonna man up you. on the outside. Make Alex Horny Brook beat you throwing the football. It's at home. It's gonna be crazy. I mean, what's that stadium hold? A hundred plus thousand. Like hundred. It is gonna yeah. be nuts. I like Michigan in this game. I think Wisconsin is gonna be. I think they're going to struggle offensively. Like I said, I think Michigan knows one. We have a very good defense. Wisconsin is extremely one dimensional with, with their only really ability to run the football. Yes. They have a great offensive line, probably one of the best in the country. Yes. They probably have one of the best, if not the best running back in the entire country with Jonathan Taylor, but you have a huge question mark back at there at the quarterback, Alex Hornibrook. I don't think he can win a game is if you trust in his arm to do it. So I got Michigan and I got Michigan. Was it is it seven, seven and, and a half. half? Minus seven and a half is what I have it written down. All right, I got Michigan seven and a half. All right, he's laying the points, and I go to one specific game this season when I think about number fifteen Wisconsin going to number twelve Michigan. Wisconsin lost to BYU. I know it was in Utah, but they lost to BYU, and here's why. Because they contained Jonathan Taylor, like you just said, Aaron. He had 26 carries in that game for only 117 yards. So that's four and a half per rush for him. Not going to get it done. Hornybrook, on the other hand, goes 18 to 28 and throws a pick. No touchdowns. Put this game into Alex Hornybrook's hands, and it tilts into Michigan's favor. My question on the Michigan side, though, 
Shea Patterson, of course. Remember that horrible start against Notre Dame. But also Jim Harbaugh. I am not sold on Jim Harbaugh being that big game coach and being able to get his guys fired up and ready to execute a game plan when needed most. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Give me the points. I'll take Wisconsin plus seven and a half. And I really don't know what's going to happen in this football game, but I can tell you with confidence it probably will not be that exciting to watch. It is a night game in Ann Arbor, and I know that these two teams have a lot to play for because they are competing to try to get into the Big Ten championship game. So, Aaron, I'm going to go against you. Give me the points. I'll take Wisconsin plus the 7.5, and and who knows what happens. I just don't understand how you could expect this to have fireworks and be some electric game. I don't even know why college games is there. They should be at Georgia and LSU where real football is played in the SEC. Yeah, I said it. I said it, Aaron. That's where they should be. Also, They should be, but CBS, my boys at CBS, are taking over. I know. That's the truth. So it always comes down to dollars and cents, dollars and cents. Quick factoid for you. Alabama's punter, Skylar DeLong, I just looked this up. They've played six games. He could still redshirt because they have not punted the past two games. He could still redshirt and transfer if he wanted to. If it's best for him, let's I think not he open. Should. Let's not open that up again, Drew. <laughs> we won't. Anything let's on? Not get, let's not open that again. Anything on the way out, my man? What game you covering this weekend? No, I got. I got. I got Boise State at Nevada. Here it's at Drew. In it's not Nevada. It's Nevada. The biggest little city. Try in not the to world. piss anyone off in that state. Yeah, the biggest little city in the world, right? Is that Absolutely. the same? Absolutely, that's the same. Reno, baby. Maybe I'll have some luck in the, uh, the, the blackjack table. Absolutely. Good luck to you on the table as well. Tune in to that game on CBS Sports Network. Again, follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. He is at AaronMaria11. I am at DrewButler13. For Aaron, I'm Drew. We'll talk to you on Monday. See you.